Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And guys, there's a lot to talk about this morning, but the first thing that we're going to talk about is we're going to head out west for a minute. Aaron Butler and his dad actually tweeted this last night. I'm going to bring it up here. He says, Texas and Washington, decision tomorrow. Again, that was yesterday evening. Uh, Bobby? I'm going to let you take this one. <laughs> Three words for, for everybody, every Longhorn out there that, that don't uh, don't know what uh, Steve Sarkeesian does. Recruit, oh, four. Recruit through the whistle. <laughs> four words. Uh, look, a week and a half ago, Texas wasn't even involved here, Blake. Uh, Chris Jackson made a trek through uh, Southern California, uh, and then Texas became suddenly involved with one of the top 200 players in the country, a wide receiver out of Calabasas, California, six foot, 170 pounder uh, named Aaron Butler. Butler originally committed to USC as a defensive back, I believe. Uh, at least that's where the, the Trojans wanted him. Then he committed to Colorado uh, based on Deion Sanders and them wanting him as a wide receiver. He fell back out of that and now is looking at either Texas or Washington. This is a last minute push by Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Jackson. Uh, to grab a receiver that they've long, uh, and literally one of the better uh, players in the class uh, right now, number 16 rated player overall in the state of California. Uh, so no joke here, 28 catches, 586 yards, 20.9 yards per catch, five TDs on the season. His numbers from 2022 were even better, 38 for 830, 22, almost 22 yards a catch, plus 13 TDs. He only played in four games this season uh, as a senior. Uh, it, it was not because of injury. It was a, he started uh, getting ready for everything uh, going on with recruiting. Uh, 21.93, 200-meter. His dad, Rob Devon Butler, played a little bit in the NFL as well. Um, another, per, perhaps, stamp of approval for Steve Sarkeesian and what he does. he's able to do and his staff is able to do uh, with um, uh, players. Uh, we mentioned Santana Wilson as a former, uh, his dad's a, a, uh, in the upper level management uh, in the NFL, also played 12 years in the league. In the league, Arch Manning, of course, uh, those guys, Terrence Brooks, another one uh, whose dad played in the NFL. If Butler signs with Texas today, and he is, he's saying he is going to sign, it's a big one. And I'll add this, 17 early enrollees at this point for Texas. Butler, guess what? is an early enrollee. So that would be 18 out of 23 potentially that are early enrollees. Uh, there, I mean, we've talked about whether or not Sark is wanting more, uh, another receiver in the portal, or if it would come in the high school ranks. It looks like as of right now, he may found one in the high school ranks, but we'll know later today, Texas and Washington uh, among the teams. Uh, look, this is not a, a, a slight guy from a, a recruiting perspective. He's offered by Alabama uh, as well. Uh, just would be an enormous late pickup for Texas. And CJ, I know you have a couple of other notes on some other intriguing wide receiver prospects that uh, people just eat up in the chat. So I'm going to go ahead and let you get to those. Yeah, wide receiver has been a pretty hot topic as of late. And obviously uh, we're getting a little bit of a precursor in terms of the Texas and Washington matchup at the end of the month, uh, end of the calendar, really, uh, with um, you know, the recruitment out of Calabasas, California. But right now, I was talking to Terry Bussey last night, and he told me Texas is in contact with them every day. And it's been ramping up 
over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, it is a bit contingent on what happens today with Aaron Butler, but I think that is worth noting. Uh, you know, it's it's a noticeable update for Terry Buss because that's one of those recruitments where you see the, the rankings, you see the five stars, you obviously know about the production, the talent on the field, and you're thinking, you know, this guy's pretty fun. You know, you know, Bobby, he's a he's a pretty talented guy. So uh, Texas has been talking to Terry Bussey every day um, as of late. And that's been a, a change of what and what we have seen for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I do think we'll have to see, you know, just what happens with Aaron Butler later today and see, you know, just how much communication, you know, follows up with Terry Bussey after that. Uh, on the other hand. Evan Stewart out of the portal from Texas A&M, a guy that Texas fans have been clamoring about ever since his portal entry. Well, even before then, you know, that it, it feels like people have had hit, you know, their fingers on Evan Stewart dating back since to, to when he committed to Texas A&M as a potential Longhorn down the road. Uh, I'm told that there's not any communication so far. Uh, Texas obviously is preparing for the, the, the college football uh, playoff. Evan Stewart in Texas so far, not yet in communication. Again, as we've mentioned, I don't see it as a personal fit. I don't think that there's a path that leads the two sides to getting uh, together finally, but you never know in recruiting. Could things open up down the road potentially, but right now, no communication. And, and I want to say this, CJ, you you got a direct text from Evan Stewart on that, correct? I mean, that was, that was, that was Evan Stewart telling you that fact. So it's not like you, oh, the source is set or anything. Uh, it was Evan Stewart. So I thought that was a good good nugget. The other guy that we need to talk about uh, is D'Alen Evans at a Longview's Pine Tree uh, High School. 20-plus tackles for loss, uh, two uh, consecutive years uh, for him, 60-foot-plus shot putter, 6'4 half, 260 pounds. There's been some questioning of his athleticism, apparently. Uh, watch this, the man with the basketball near the rim. Yeah. I'm going to replay it one more time, Bobby. <laughs> Wow. 260 pounds, 360-degree dunk. Has a real issue with athleticism, clearly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't we, – we were talking before this. I couldn't do that without a basketball and just trying to, to jump. CJ said he couldn't do it without a trampoline. So <laughs> that's – Yeah, I'm only 5'9". Yeah. <laughs> the, the reality of it is, is D'Alen Evans uh, has been committed to Texas A&M since 2022, I mean, this isn't a short-term commitment, but obviously the turmoil uh, in at Texas A&M has led to this point. Uh, Evans could do one of three things today. He could sign with either A&M or Texas. He does have a letter of intent in his inbox from the University of Texas. So this is not just a, hey, we might take him. He has a letter of intent available to sign. Okay, that's number one. Number two, A&M has hired not only uh, the Florida defensive line coach, and Florida is the one team he kind of tinkered with outside of A&M. Florida's hired the, uh, A&M has hired the Florida defensive line coach, Sean Spence, uh, and then also yesterday announced that the linebacker coach from Florida, Jay Bateman, would be the new defensive coordinator at A&M. Uh, so are they trying to wrap up the Allen Evans in that way? And eh, maybe. I don't think that's the purpose you hire a defensive coordinator I don't think it hurts, though, in recruiting. At the same time, I know Texas was in contact with him yesterday, not only uh, Steve Sarkeesian, but also area recruiter uh, Blake Gideon uh, as well. Uh, he is said to be down now totally to AM or Texas and very likely to make a decision today. 
He could, of course, also just announce a decommitment or saying he's going to wait until February signing period because he is not an early enrollee. So he can wait and push this back a, a little bit if he so desires. Uh, ne- number 72 overall player in the country uh, by the on three consensus. Will be a phenomenal pickup for either team, no doubt about that. Well, Bobby, the other news we're going to get, we've talked recruiting pretty much all week, but there's some uh, actual team news as well as uh, the players had a press conference yesterday. Why don't you tell folks out there about that one? Yes, a couple of safeties. Chris, uh, Michael Taff, uh, Jaron Thompson met with the uh, met with the media as well as Christian Jones, uh, the long-term starter at right tackle for the Longhorns. They all met with the media yesterday. Um, you know, Taffy and, and Jones, uh, Taffy and Thompson. I, I I heard a lot of platitudes, if that makes sense. I I don't think they were wanting to give anything away. Oh, Washington's uh, offense is really good. Oh, we've got to be you know, really prepared because Michael Penix and the, the receivers are, that was, that wasn't necessarily revealing. Maybe the most revealing thing for me uh, had to deal with the camaraderie on the team itself right now. David Benda was also meet, also met with the media yesterday, but it was Christian Jones that said something that I, I thought was just classic. He was talking about Jordan Whittington, his teammate, longtime teammate, uh, getting offered uh, an invite to the Senior Bowl uh, this week, and Christian Jones said, "Literally, when I heard that, because he he, had, he didn't get invited to the to the other game, a couple other games, got invited to the Senior Bowl." Christian Jones said he literally almost tried to do a backflip in excitement for <laughs> for Jordan Whittington. That, that's the kind of camaraderie I think on this team. Uh, I, I did mention David Benda; he had something very interesting to say as well, uh, Blake and CJ. He said, look, if we have a chance to be great right now, why not go be great? That was the, I'm paraphrasing there. He goes, we have a chance to be legendary. Why not go be legends? Yep. I love you know, that. that I, I like it too. And that's that's where they're taking it right now, guys. I think that, uh, look, I think the team is focused. Sark is clearly, you know, going a mile, you know, 100 miles a minute in recruiting. We didn't, we haven't even touched on Trey Moore yet, by the way. Yeah, right. I need to get my news out of there. I talked to, uh, I texted with his uh, marketing rep today, this morning, around seven o'clock. The plan is still this weekend. Could it come earlier? Yes. But the plan as of right now for the UTSA edge rusher is uh, sometime this weekend uh, between Texas and Alabama uh, for his signature. All right, guys. Well, plenty of time to get your questions in. So please do so. We're going to be taking questions pretty much the rest of the entire show. But, Bobby, before we get to some of those questions, I want you to tell everybody about BKCW and how they can escape the insurance trap. Yeah, you know about that insurance trap, huh, huh Blake? Uh, I tell you what, uh, guys, if you've had a frustrating insurance or employee benefits renewal this year, most likely you didn't hear from your agent all year. And then right before it was time to renew, they delivered the bad news of a rate increase. When this happens, the agent is providing no value and you're stuck in what we call the insurance trap. BKCW tries to take you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of its headquarters in Austin, Texas, and owned by UT grads, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, 
Restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap, and it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. All right. We want to thank them for sponsoring every Friday right here on Coffee and Football. And guys, we got questions rolling in, so we're just going to go ahead and start getting to them. And we'll just start at the top here. This first one from Name Brand Cody. He says, is there actually any real chance at landing Ryan Williams? And if so, what chips need to fall for that to happen? What are we hearing from the Alabama side? Are they even concerned about a potential flip? I think his reclassification to the 2024 class certainly makes things difficult. You know, when you talk about a 2025 kid that's the top of the class and you have an entire year to, you know, work towards and chip away at a current commitment, that's one thing. When you take away an entire uh, year for which he still has not visited Texas, things become much more difficult there. And obviously we're seeing Texas – remain active in the wide receiver market right now. Obviously, Aaron Butler, I just mentioned Terry Bussey as well. I think it's unlikely. Um, of course, Ryan Williams is a tremendous athlete. He's a tremendous prospect. Will they continue to, you know, maybe kick the tires? Absolutely. I, I think it's unlikely with the shortened window and obviously the pursuit of other guys at the moment is, uh, when you take that into consideration. And I, I've got to add this note too, CJ, and I, I know you'll agree with me. He's committed to Bama. But he's been to Auburn, and that's where his dad uh, went. I mean, they were chanting his name at a basketball game at Auburn um, just that last week. So it's not just Alabama that Texas has to overcome. Uh, he is saying that he's likely to visit Texas in January. I have no clue if he has the, the classes to get enrolled in Texas. I, I don't know that yet. Um, I, haven't, I haven't done a deep enough dive on that stuff. I can find out, though, uh, probably in the next week or so. The, the reality of it is Texas right now is playing from behind, even with the pledge of his high school teammate, the quarterback, K.J. Lacey. Uh, and so keep all of that in the picture. I, I think that Ryan Williams is a 10 to 15% shot for Texas at most right now. I do think it's going to be primarily a Bama-Auburn showdown, even though I, I think things could change if he visits Texas in January. That That's when we'll see – when, that's when the rubber will meet the road, in my opinion. Then another prospect that uh, we've had lots of questions about this week, and today is no different. Sandman23 says, any updates on Dominic McKinley? Uh, Blake, uh, you and CJ know this well. He said on Wednesday that he's not announcing anything. He's going to take it all in and look around in the month of January. So he is not going to announce until February. Texas remains in contact with him and his mother uh, at this point, including Bo Davis uh, on a daily basis now. Steve Sarkeesian still has his in-home visit that he can use in the month of January. I would not be surprised if uh, McKinley showed up on camp on a couple of different campuses in January on unofficial visits. So keep that in mind. Uh, so we'll see. Right now he remains committed to A&M, but – it is as soft a commitment as you can you can call the five-star out of Lafayette, Louisiana right now. All right. Captain Americano has a loaded question. He says, can you give a breakdown on which positions and specific players you expect us to pursue either high school or portal between now and February? 
Yeah, I think Texas is obviously in the market for a wide receiver. We're talking about an interior defensive lineman as well with the three candidates that we've laid out throughout the week, Alex Foster, Dominic McKinley, and obviously uh, De'Alan Evans as well. Those are the two that are still, you know, seeing a lot of movement right now. Obviously, Texas did take Ty Anthony uh, Smith on signing day. So linebacker now has a check by its name. Uh, where will they go in the portal? I think that remains to be seen. There's still some guys ha that have yet to enter the portal as a result of bowl season. Still pretty young. Uh, a lot of bowl games left and a lot of movements still, still to be made in that portal. So uh, we'll see where they target. Obviously, I think uh, an experienced safety was knocked out of the park with Andrew Makuba or experienced, you know, defensive back, a versatile defensive back that can play safety nickel. Uh, what, whatever you need from Andrew Makuba as well. Uh, tight end is a spot that Texas is monitoring as well in terms of what Jatavian Sanders does, whether he goes pro or returns next year. We'll see, you know, where the dominoes fall for Jatavian, and, and, and that will really dictate what Texas does uh, moving forward in the portal as well as, you know, the high school ranks. I would add this. So just to, CJ did a great job there of, of saying this. The tight ends right now, uh, uh, Holden stays is already committed to Tennessee, but if Jatavian Sanders goes, uh, to goes pro as expected, and I was told that's 75, 25 Holden stays would become a priority target for Texas. Even if he's committed to Tennessee, Texas and Holden stays, Holden stays is saying that he's been told that if Jatavian Sanders goes pro, they want to talk to him. Will Holden stays allow them to talk to him and all that stuff. You know, we'll see. But the fact is, Steve Sarkeesian and Jeff Banks, very upfront with him. Hey, if if, J, if JT Sanders goes, we're going to need a tight end, and you're you're one of the guys we want to talk to ASAP. So keep that in mind. Jordan Jolly out of uh, UConn is another name in, in that category to talk uh, to think about. However, however, I would add to this, again, he's already being recruited by other programs, including NC State, so uh, be aware of that. Uh, also, I believe they're going to look at a punter. Now, this may not be a this may, this punter may not be may not be a scholarship punter. It may just be a portal punter that wants to enroll in grad school. So keep that in keep that in mind. Uh, other other players and other positions they're going to keep looking out for a defensive tackle. Uh, at this point, uh, if there's an adult defensive tackle they can find, like a Trill Carter that they did last year, late in the portal. They, they would definitely be interested there. Uh, other other spots that are that are possibilities, uh, I think they could still look at another safety or another DB. Potentially, again, they're losing five or six right now to the portal. And you can't just be entirely youth-driven on incoming guys. Uh, specific names at wide receiver. Um, right now, I don't believe there's a receiver in the portal that they are pursuing. Give it January 1, after all the bowl games are done, that that very well, I expect actually that to change. That's what I would say to that. So, Captain Americano, be waiting for that because that's when the other shoe drops if those people uh, absolute, actually uh, show up in the portal or one of them does. There you go. Uh, we got a super chat, guys, from David Parcell. Thank you, David. We appreciate the super chat. He says, what a week, what a month, what a year. It's been great listening to you guys, and I look forward to more great content for years to come. Hook them. Thank you, Hook them, David. David. Thank you, David. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, Rod Babers is uh, driving down to Houston as we speak. 
uh, getting ready to celebrate with his family. I know CJ, you're headed up to Dallas to celebrate with your family. My parents came in over the uh, just yesterday, uh, so we're getting ready to celebrate with them as well. So, uh, Blake, you were out Christmas shopping in Bullfrog Rain last night. I was <laughs> yeah. told. So uh, it's it's up. that time of year. We really appreciate you guys uh, and uh, have enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, I, I'll just be. I'm thankful that Steve Sarkeesian and this football team put together a great year, man. Uh, what a year to be a, foot, a Texas fan right now. And now they're just dominoing and recruiting like it's nobody's business. So it just makes it all fun. No doubt about it. And all, all Texas athletics really doing well. I mean, look at volleyball, national championship. Basketball was in the lead eight. So it's been a phenomenal year for Texas sports. Okay, guys, this next question here from Bobby T.D. Brown. He says, do you think Alfred Collins comes back? Bobby, I'm going to let you start with this one. No. Unfortunately, no. I don't. Um, now, it's not decide, It's not 100%, but I do know that he's already planning on working with a pro trainer in the offseason that has, and that's kind of the insight I have there on that decision. It's not coming directly from Alfred, but he's he's signed up to be in a pro training workouts uh, this spring. Uh, and so that, while he could renege on that, clearly, I, I don't think that's the plan right now. I think the plan is for Alfred to try to go get paid. Um, and, you know, more power to him. Uh, he may end up being a better pro than he is a college player because yeah. he has those long arms and can be used in situ better situationally. Um, but, uh, I look, I, I hope he comes back. I hope David Benda comes back. I, we, we know Jake Majors is coming back. I hope JT Sanders comes back and even potentially Adonai Mitchell or Jalen Ford. I hope all those two guys do. But I also think that that some of those are long shots. And Alfred, Alfred Collins is a long shot. At this next question, and uh, I'm going to give this one to you, CJ, first. He says, who are your projected starters on defense next year? This question from B. Brown. Isn't that fun? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> CJ, I'll I'll ping you and you tell us. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna line you up. Defensive tackle, the two defensive tackle starters. Oh Vernon Broughton's got to be a shoe-in. I think that this is enough development that we've seen this year to see, you know, that's vacancy that will you know become available after Sweat and Murphy and Collins leave. Vernon Broughton's one of them. Will Trill Carter be the other one? Will it, you know, a guy like Aaron Brandt and Drake Bledsoe fill that void? Could Texas Portal? I think, you know, that's a probably the biggest question mark at the moment. Gotcha. All right. So Vernon Broden, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Vernon Broden and Trill Carter. But I do think that Sadir Mitchell and Aaron Bryant, Sadir Mitchell and Aaron Bryant are in the rotation there yep. uh, at the very least. Um, I think that. I will say this, Mitchell has a chance maybe to, to overcome that. All okay. right, go defensive end, edge. Both like starters Burke returning. Like, what's that? Both starters returning at edge. I like both of them to remain the starter. You know, Texas is getting a lot of pieces on this edge now. That rotation is going to be pretty filthy when you consider how experienced this group will be and also the talent coming in with Colin Simmons and a potential Trey Moore addition as well. But Burke and Sorrell are the two guys again. Okay, all right, linebacker, there's really only two. One of them we, we can pencil in, Anthony Hill. Absolutely. I mean, I, that's that's a no-brainer. And then it depends on whether David Benda comes back, whether Jalen Ford, you know, 
who knows whether he comes back. Uh, we think we think Ford is definitely gone, but you know, never say never until he announces something. Uh, and then you talk about uh, David Benda and Maurice Blackwell. If you had to guess right now, how would you put it? Who would you put next to Hill based on your knowledge? Look, I I've pounded the drum for Leonga LaFowle for a while. Uh, I know the game experience isn't quite there, but I think this could be a situation where as the season progresses next year, he'll, you know, kind of chip away at a larger role. But right now I like David Benda. I think what we've seen from him this year gives me just enough confidence to say he can play all three downs. He can be that starting guy and Texas won't necessarily be uh, at a lack of, you know, talent capacity at that linebacker spot. I think it's Hill, and I, I I would have to guess if he does come back, it's going to be David Benda. Yep. But don't forget about Maurice Blackwell either. Um, he could be morphing into a different role if they move Hill into a true middle linebacker role like they had with Jalen Ford this year. All right, the star position, obviously, Jade Barron uh, is out. Uh, he's headed to the pros. Uh, but Jalen Gilbo was next in line, but he may have just been jumped. Uh, by an incomer. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Makuba right away is the, the guy that comes to mind. What we've seen from him the last three years at Clemson, obviously freshman All-American uh, accolades already under his belt. It feels like a natural fit. Uh, the two have trained together. They're, they're good friends. You know, the, the talent skill sets are similar as well. It feels like it's going to be a smooth transition from one NFL defensive back to another. All right. I, I agree with you on Makuba, 100%. Uh, I think that's why they recruited. Uh, that's why they recruited him and brought him in. All right, safety. All right, cornerback. Let's go to cornerback. Um, Brooks, Terrence Brooks, and Manny Muhammad definitely returning. Ryan Watts is not announced for the pros either, although we think he's going to head that direction. Uh, and then Gavin Holmes, the other one, as well as the incoming freshman uh, in this category, particularly Kobe Black, who seems to be a little bit more ready than the other guys physically. Uh, who do you who do you have starting next next year at defensive back or at cornerback, CJ? I see it as Brooks and Muhammad, regardless of what Ryan Watts does. If he returns, that's tremendous. But I think what we've seen so far in terms of the athleticism and the speed specifically between the two, uh, I think gives them the edge in terms of the fight going forward. We haven't seen, um, you know, a whole lot of you know play to play consistency out of Watts, at least that you would like in terms of the deep ball. Um, so I, I give the the edge to the two talented guys uh, from the DFW area. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, Texas is trying to get faster, right? Mm -hmm. And they're trying to play a little bit more press on field and boundary. And I don't think you can take either Muhammad or Brooks off the field if that's what you want to do. Right. Uh, now, Gavin Holmes can play press too on the field. He's got the makeup speed. So, let, let's watch and see what he does. All right, safety. Uh, are, did you have something, CJ? I was just going to say the, the difference between the three of them is I think Holmes gets a bit grabby at times, which we haven't seen from those two other young corners, which is encouraging to me in the sense that, you know, it's habitual. You know, when you're at cornerback and you're on an island, you want to grab, you want to hold on. You don't want to create separation from, from the wide receiver. And I think at times as a defensive back, you either have it or you don't in terms of being, uh, you know, susceptible to penalties. Got it. All right. Safety. This is the, you know, it, 
Keaton Crawford and um, Keaton Crawford and Jaron Thompson expected to move on after the college football playoffs. Uh, Michael Taft has done a tremendous job, right? Yes. Um, in in uh, his uh, time and his role, and then you have the true, the, what is currently the true freshman Derek Williams back there too. Uh, yet I, I will reiterate something they did this year: they played a lot of different players back there at safety, a lot of different combinations. Uh, but one of the up and comer guys that maybe we thought might see some action this year, but just didn't. B.J. Allen he transferred. Jalen Calderon uh, transferred. Larry Turner Gooden is going to be gone. Taff and Williams, probably the incumbents in your opinion? Yeah, yeah. No, that's going to be a room that's flipped on its head almost immediately when spring ball arrives. And, you know, credit to Michael Taff for coming in, earning a scholarship, and becoming a truly impactful guy. Three straight games with an interception this season. Uh, it, the hustle, the effort stand out immediately. And he's rewarded a number of times, obviously, uh, I, I believe is the Houston game, you know, a fortuitous – or no – Kansas State maybe a fortuitous bounce uh, to begin the second half that landed right in his arms. That's what you are rewarded with with hustle and effort and credit to Michael Taft. That's not going to ever stop in his game. So I like the two that you said, Derek Williams, Michael Taft. We'll obviously see that rotation continue. It's just going to be with a whole lot of new faces. All right, guys, we got some follow-up questions uh, to the topic that we just discussed. This first one from Jason. He says, did Benda do enough to to wane a draft grade worth declaring for? No. No. He was a he was a role player this year. Yep. He's not going to get a draft grade off of that. Now, if he comes back and starts 12 games next year, 13 games, whatever the number is, he, he literally could. I think he is just now learning and understanding that position. He's not overrunning holes like he was early in his career. He's not – like uh, some guys let their eyes deceive them at linebacker. Linebacker is one of those plays or one of those places where you can't be too, uh, uh, too aggressive. I, I know that sounds weird when you're talking about football, but you have to let linebacker come to you a little bit. You have to read the play. You can't just go. Um, and I think David Benda was letting his eyes, uh, you know, there's that play. I can't remember the play that where he let the, the running back on a crossing route leak over the top of him and get like a 30 or 40 yard yard gain early in the season. That sort of thing started becoming less and less as the season wore on with David Benda. And I, I think that's a, a positive, but I don't think he's quite there yet. All right. Then this next question from Chris Bacon and Chris asks, is Makuba for sure a star as opposed to safety? I think that's a simple answer is, you know, the, the star position for Makuba is a, it, it's a, a seamless transition. Luckily for Makuba, there's also a lot of versatility under his belt. He has a lot of snaps at a number of positions just this year alone as well. So the experience at a number of spots is very valuable for Makuba and what Texas wants to do. It also allows them to, you know, test a number of things. Can he drop back to the big safety? Obviously, Xavier phil is also coming in to that mix as well. So we'll see. But I think stars where you'll see Xavier – or uh, sorry, Andrew Makuba start the 2024 season. Uh, before we move on and take some more questions, Bobby, we've had a lot of people join since the top of the hour. So I want to go down some of this news that uh, we talked about at the beginning of the show. And I'm going to turn it over to you on Aaron Butler. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron Butler, uh, the, the news of the day is twofold. It's Aaron Butler and D.A. Lynn Evans. That's, that's what we're ardently tracking right now. 
Uh, Butler, a wide receiver out of Calabasas, California, six foot, 170 pounds, deciding between Texas and Washington. As you can see, this tweet was from yesterday. So that means today he's going to make a decision. He has not even visited Texas, but his dad is a former pro player, uh, knows Sark's offense. Texas has been in constant contact over the last week and a half, uh, including offering a scholarship. Uh, Texas or Washington today. Arizona was thought to be one of the leaders, but they've been pushed out. This is a young man that had uh, 28 catches in four games this year, uh, went for 586 yards. That's 21 yards a pop right at it with five touchdowns. 38 catches for 800-plus yards as a junior, 13 touchdowns then. Uh, he is a another one of those guys, we talk about it, touchdown makers. 38 catches, 13 touchdowns as a junior. That's one every three times he touches the ball. We know that Steve Sarkeesian likes those kind of players. Uh, all right, so there's that. That's happening. He's expected to announce today. Um, there is some thought that Texas may actually be the leader in this and they did not start recruiting him until about a week and a half ago when Chris Jackson, the wide receivers coach from Texas, was making a run through uh, Southern California and found out about him, uh, made an in-home visit, and, you know, very interesting. Sark also saying that they weren't done at receiver on National Signing Day could be a hint here as well. So we'll see. That's expected to come today. The other one that we're mentioning is D'Alen Evans, line, uh, defensive lineman out of Longview's Pine Tree, High school, he's been long committed to AM, 6'4 and a half, 260 pounds, threw the shot put 60 foot last year. Uh, three, three sport player, um, also announcing his decision today, we believe, between Texas uh, and Texas AM. There are thoughts that he could just stick with AM. There are thoughts that he might wait until February to make a decision. I don't know which way it's going to go. What I do know is he has Texas scholarship papers in his inbox. So he could sign with Texas. He could stick with AM. That one's a big toss-up to me. Those are the two biggest things going on right now. And that then the third one is Trey Moore out of UTSA. He is expected to announce his decision over the weekend. I, I spoke with his mar or texted with his marketing agent this morning before the show. Uh, it is still supposed to be over the weekend, not today, but things can't have and have changed before with this decision-making process. Texas and Alabama, the two finalists there. And Bobby, for those that aren't familiar with Trey Moore, can you kind of run down real quick what he would bring to the table for the Longhorns? Uh, Trey Moore, he's an edge prospect out of UTSA that had 14 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for loss, uh, I believe, uh, for UTSA and Jeff Trailer. He really came on last year. Uh, he was thought to maybe be going into the portal a year ago. Uh, I think he had eight sacks as a, as a, a redshirt freshman. As a redshirt sophomore this year, he had 14 and a half. Um, and as soon as he went in, Texas uh, went after him. Alabama, Ohio State, Ole Miss, just a, a plethora of schools went after him. Uh, but Texas and Alabama are the two finalists. His parents, he's originally from Smithson Valley, by the way. Uh, so he played his high school ball there just down the road, about an hour away uh, from the University of Texas. Uh, Bama, though, making this thing very, very interesting, in my opinion. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, at this point. All right, CJ. And then I know you had some notes on Terry Bussey just a little bit ago. So I'm going to also ask you this question and kind of let you reiterate what you said. Uh, are we recruiting Bussey for offense or defense? That's asked by V Brown. Yeah, it would be a uh, wide receiver. 
Bussy told me uh, last night, Texas is in communication with him every day. That has ramped up from a week ago, even two weeks ago specifically, when things looked like he uh, and Texas were just about done, or at least you know Texas was running third fiddle to Texas A&M and LSU at the time. Texas has revamped uh, their communication with Terry Bussey. Obviously, I think it is largely – uh, you know, kind of dependent on what Aaron Butler does. And, you know, we'll certainly see this afternoon uh, if Texas will continue their pursuit of Terry Bussey or if, you know, the Aaron Butler sweepstakes are enough for them to be uh, complete at the wide receiver spot. Okay, guys, we're going to take some more quotes here. And again, plenty of time to get your questions in on Coffee and Football presented by BKCW. And uh, another electrifying wide receiver that we haven't talked about in a while is the Corian Moore, the LSU commit, he visited uh, Texas and Oregon both over the course of the season, despite that LSU commitment. And he only free only 93 wants to know what's the latest on Moore. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Man, you talk about a special player. That's DeCorian Moore. And this is a recruitment where if all goes well on the field this year for Texas, it's going to be hard for Texas to not be in that picture when it's all said and done. I think that uh, commitment currently to LSU is very uh, flimsy, if you will. I don't think it's a very firm shut down the recruitment kind of thing, especially this early. That's one thing. For a, a kid of that talent to commit this early, it's going to be difficult for LSU to hold on to them regardless of the season that they have uh, this year or even moving forward uh, into 2024. So Texas will be a player. They're obviously prioritizing DeCorian more as well. They're going to make it very difficult for LSU to hold on to them. At the end of the day, I like Texas in that number two spot right now. And we'll see just as these, uh, you know, kind of off-season junior days and big recruiting events um, start occurring on campus, just how much interest is still there for DeCorian Moore. Because we know, you know, Cam Williams is on roster. Colin Simmons is on roster. Alex January will be on roster. There will be a lot of Duncanville guys. Obviously, Jonte Cook's another guy in that DFW area with a lot of respect. He will have a lot of contacts to, and connections to the Texas team by the time he is ready to uh, – you know, fully sign and commit to a program. Uh, we're going to jump back to this year's class. And Roger G wants to know what recruits from that class could you see get a lot of playing time next year? That's a, you know, that's a tough one um, because so much of it depends too on who's going pro. Um, I, I definitely could see Ryan Wingo immediately. If he can, if he can get the routes and, that's one of the things, great things about being a midtermer. I mean, all these midterm guys just accelerates the learning process, right? And the, um, I could see him getting some action. I, 
I really think of all the defensive linemen right now, the most ready to go from the interior defensive line. I could see, like, I could see Alex January being as good or better than uh, Aaron Bryant from the outset. I, I just, you know what I mean? So getting into that rotation, because he, I do think he's advanced from a skill perspective. It doesn't mean his talent is the best of the best, because I, I do right. think his talent is more than good enough. I just think that he has a chance, even at a position like that, that is kind of crazy because he weighs more. This is another thing about Alex, Alex January. He already weighs more than Aaron Bryant. Okay. He weighs more than Trill Carter. He weighs more than Vernon Broton. That, that could, that could play a role uh, in that category. And I know that's not necessarily one you want to talk about. Um, after that, Got to be Xavier Filsamy yep. in the secondary for me. A um, couple reasons why. One, safety. He's a true safety, uh, and that's that's a spot that is going to be you know paper thin for the Longhorns next year with the with the age wise or from an experience perspective. And he has the speed. And I go back to something Rod Baber said on this show. Um, look, there are guys that can cover, and Texas is trying to find guys safeties in particular that can cover and he and Derek Williams one-on-one are not necessarily mismatches uh, for other, other teams. Michael Taft can be a mismatch for the other team. And so Jaron Thompson has been Keaton Crawford has been. So as Texas looks to get away from that, I would probably say as a safety Xavier fills uh, e. Kim says, do you guys see Texas actually getting two more defensive linemen before for February? And then he did go on to clarify he does mean high school recruits, not out of the transfer portal. That's going to be a, a loaded class right there if you take two more to get to five. I think one is very likely. Obviously, we're in, we're in the conversation right now of what Texas will do with the Aylan Evans, Dominic McKinley, and Alex Foster. We're going to see a, a – you know, a decision today for D'Alan Evans as well. I think one's the most likely answer there too. And you start getting to five guys on the interior, regardless of how much you're losing, that's a lot. Uh, and it's a, it gets to be a tougher selling point as well um, to the to these recruits and commitments as well. So uh, I think one is likely, two is a little probably far-fetched in my opinion. And the next question comes from Gage Sheets. And he says, do y'all think winning the national championship gives us a much better shot at landing guys like Bussy and McKinley in the later window? Yes. Yeah, this is this is this is exactly what we talked about. I mean, you know, there is there is limited value, uh, and I say limited, uh, although it's obviously come come home to roost. When you have a big, a big winning season like Texas has had, there's only a couple guys that can impact down the stretch of a recruitment. Right. And certainly guys that are deciding in in February, like Dominic McKinley, potentially like Terry Bussey, that can impact. Right. The real and truest impact will be in next year's recruiting class because they've seen all these guys. They've seen Texas win 12. They've seen the, the progression from five wins to eight wins to 12 wins. That's when it all comes home to roost. I, uh, that being said, I definitely think it could affect anybody making a decision. I can tell you right now, AM doesn't want D. Allen Evans going to February with a decision. You think they want that? Because if, if that happens, it's over. 
they're going to have no momentum. That's just my opinion. So they're trying to get this thing closed out with Evans today. Uh, Texas is like, hey, do whatever you want to do, but we want you. You can come now or you can come later. Come visit us and check it out. Make sure you make a, a real decision because guess what? Evans is not a midtermer. Like all these other guys, Aaron Butler, by the way, a midtermer. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, I, I feel like everybody's got to got to grasp that. So I I don't know what's going to happen today with the Allen Evans. Uh, I definitely think they'll go at least one more defensive lineman if they can get them. Possibly two. That that would be a little bit different. But yes, winning a national championship, being in the playoffs alone matter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Texas needs to go out there and prove their worth. Uh, this weekend. All right, next. Gosh, guys, it's 10 days from today. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, crazy. a week from Monday, a week from Monday, a week from Christmas, we're going to be seeing Texas playing in the college football playoff. Just wait until – a lot of people are going to be sitting, eating, eating and watching bowl games over the next seven, eight days. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, very fun time in college football. Count how many commercials that you see with Texas and Washington – Michigan and Alabama in them over the next 10 days. It is going to be easily $10 million worth of free advertising for the University of Texas. Easily. It, it will be an infomercial, and that will affect recruiting. Well, Bobby, kind of along the same lines, Peter wants to know, would Texas winning the national championship sway some of the guys most likely leaving for the draft to stay? Or the other way around, <laughs> right? Because yeah. they, they, they accomplished the goal, right? Um I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it, it it increases the NIL coffers at the University of Texas enough that that could that could have an impact. You know what I mean? Um, but I don't know. I don't know that to be the case. I would think that actually it might might tweak a couple of people to actually go ahead and go because they've done what they came there to accomplish. There's there's not another goal in sight other than repeating, right? But I I think each of those decisions are individual. So I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. All right, fellas, we got a super chat here from Don P. Thank you, Don. He says, does Cole Hudson transfer if Majors comes back? Um, I don't think he's looking to transfer at all. Right. Um, now, Cole Hudson and his dad, Scott, talk about guys that um, – I'll say this. I'm going to try to say this the right way. Talk about guys that have the right mentality yes. about college football and football in general. It's that family. They're they're not there. His dad played baseball at Arizona State. They they get that it takes a lot of work. They get that it's it's an accumulation of what you do over three and four years that matters. They're not looking for immediate gratification. Um, I think that you know if Majors comes back, they're going to fight it out at guard with whether that's Neto or Hayden Connor. I mean, I've, I've heard Hayden Connor might move to right tackle to try to fight Cam Williams uh, for that spot, which I think it, that Hayden Connor would ultimately lose. But my point being, I haven't heard anything like that, and I'll I'll, I'll check in. But uh, that family has been one of the more impressive families to me in the recruiting process and during their time on on the uh, on the forty acres. Because you got to remember, Cole played through injury all last year, guys as a true freshman, he played through injury this year. He had an injury that set him back a little bit, but he came back and uh, he's worked at center. He's worked. I mean, he's going to be one of those offensive linemen that in four years, you're going to look up and he's going to be in the NFL. 
I mean, that's that's how good that recruiting class was. And you know, he's a competitor. I will we'll see. I don't. I haven't heard anything about that. Okay, we have a, a comment here, and it's been a while since we've seen Victor Aldridge uh, comment, but he says, my cousin LaMarcus Aldridge says he'll be in Houston at the national championship game. He's already calling the win against Washington. I love well, thanks that. Thanks for tuning in, Victor. Appreciate it. As always, appreciate your input. Okay, guys, this next question here is going to be from Shake and Bake, and he says, are they looking for a middle linebacker in the portal to keep Anthony Hill where he's at now? Not at this time. It, it would have to be a special circumstance where they, they I mean, they looked at one uh, that was from Vanderbilt, I think, uh, but passed. Um, uh, so not at this time. I, I don't see that. And I don't know of one in the portal that's just a natural fit, right? Uh, the one that, that may have been a fit uh, was from uh, Georgia, and he already signed with Kentucky. Yep. Yeah. So that would be the one. He was like a butkus award semifinalist as a as a sophomore and then got leaped on the depth chart at georgia and ended up at kentucky yeah i mean they have some talent over in athens i guess is the best way to put that (laughs) all right cj we got a question for you and b brown wants to know do you think that we land devin sanchez the corner from north shore wouldn't that be nice huh you know adding a five star with tremendous length Texas is playing from behind here. This is a recruitment where Ohio State is considered the favorite. Uh, I know also Oklahoma is very high on his list as well. Jay Valai has done a tremendous job prioritizing Devin Sanchez. The biggest issue with Texas is he just hasn't been to campus recently. And that's one of those things where regardless of on-field success, if you're not connecting with the coaching staff in person and you know seeing the, what could be your next home for four years – it's hard to, you know, really consider Texas to be in that top group at the moment. He's obviously had, you know, long, long-standing relationships with Terry Joseph and Steve Sarkeesian. But until there's a return visit to Austin, you just kind of have to t- tap the brakes a little bit. Ohio State is at that top. Oklahoma's in that mix as well. Uh, Alabama's poking around as well. LSU in the, in the group. Texas has to get him back on campus, and that's just as simple as it gets. All right, guys, we have a question here, uh, and this one from Name Brand Cody, and he says, what is y'all's opinion of this college football separating from other sports debate slash reworking the season scheduling? Chip Kelly, obviously a major proponent of this. He had some comments. Well, he's had numerous comments, but he had more this week uh, talking about, you know, like volleyball and, and sports like that having to go across the country to play now. I think he's right. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody knows he's right. The NCAA has never wanted to admit that to that sort of thing. Charlie Baker as the new NCAA president is starting to understand that he's proposed a new breakaway group that is kind of like the power group that decides their rules for college football. And then everybody else uh, falls under the NCAA. Look, I, I've said this, the reason they're doing that, they want to abdicate. The NCAA wants to abdicate responsibility for that. All they care about is the NCAA basketball tournament. It's been their primary revenue driver for 25, 30 years. Ever since uh, they gave away the rights to NCAA football, all the NCAA care, has cared about truly is basketball. And that's from the top of the org structure on down. They pretended to care about football because they know that was the biggest uh, portion of the revenue for all of it, uh, for their, their member schools. 
but they really haven't cared about football from the very top. I sat next to a guy at breakfast one time that told me, and this is in early 2000s, that all we, all we really care about is, is basketball because that's where we get all our corporate sponsorships from, from the basketball tournament. Hmm. So what do you think? What do you think their attention to detail has been about football the last 20 years? And now we're at where we're at because of that. Uh, just total abdication, uh, in my opinion. And uh, I, I feel like uh, I look at it with Florida State and their their uh, conversations right now. I think that's supposed they're supposed to have a board meeting here. Oh, it may have just started. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, because not it's 10 Eastern, Central right? Eastern. Yeah. 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 So it may have just started. They're trying to break away the grant of rights from the, the ACC. If they do that, you know, the ACC is then going to be feckless. And you're going to see Clemson do the same thing. You'll see North Carolina do the same thing. And either they'll all go into the SEC or they'll all go into the Big Ten or they're all kind of create this kind of amalgam of conferences. I personally hope it becomes, I don't know, something like the North versus the South or the East versus the West. I'm serious. I mean, something that is easy for everybody to understand um, and then, you know, then maybe conferences, there's still a reason for them to chip Kelly's point. Then you can put, you know, Arizona softball playing UCLA softball back together. You can put Texas basketball um, playing or Texas women's basketball playing Baylor. Right. Those sorts of things do make sense. It doesn't make sense for um, UCLA tennis to play Rutgers tennis. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's no there's no revenue involved in that. It's just a, it, and it doesn't help the students. It's one thing when these student athletes like football players, if they're going to participate eventually in revenue sharing with television, it's worth it to them. Is it worth it to the lacrosse player to go, you know, play in Ames, Iowa or I mean, hell, wherever it, it doesn't. And so you have to figure out what that all means. Um, and I think that breaking football away makes the most sense. Definitely. You keep some construction of the SEC and the Big Ten. Yeah, I think so. I think those two will end up being the power brokers that decide and dictate what the next iteration of college football looks like. Alongside ESPN, Fox, CBS, the, the networks, right? Bobby, we had a question yesterday that I kind of wanted to bring up in regards to Florida State whether or not they were to join the SEC and bring, you know, three, two or three schools from the ACC with them. Do you kind of have a preference or, you know, uh, an idea, maybe not an idea, but like a preference in, in schools that would come with Florida State that would make, you know, kind of a, a, the most optimal, you know, kind of brand new SEC of 20 teams. Are there two other teams, three other teams that you see as good SEC fits in that conference at the moment? I think they would want two or four. They would want even numbers. Yep. And so the four that would be almost automatic, in my opinion, uh, if they went this direction, if they could get them, yeah. okay? Florida State goes together with Clemson. That breaks the single single state rule, uh, both in both uh, the state of Florida, with U University of Florida, and with Clemson and the University of South Carolina. Hmm. So that breaks that Eastern Eastern single state rule. And then the one, the two that they really want uh, adds more footprint are Virginia and North Carolina. 
They could care less. They could care less about Virginia Tech. I know Virginia okay. Tech fans are going to, and they may never break away. Virginia and Virginia Tech may never break away, and North Carolina may never break away from North Carolina State or Duke. But if you had a football-only conference, North Carolina would have no problem breaking away from Duke because they, they could still play Duke in basketball, right? Right. Um, the team that I think might get left out in that, even though they have an enormous media market, is Miami. I'm with so you. So what, what do you do with Miami? Or do you take Miami instead of Virginia, Virginia Tech? If Virginia and Virginia Tech say they just won't split, do you take North Carolina and Miami alongside Florida State and Clemson? Those are, those are questions that, about that. Hey, those are questions above my pay grade, but I will say this. I, I feel confident that Greg Sankey at the SEC is better than anybody else to, to manage those kind of yeah. questions. I, he has just proven time and time again uh, to be a, you know a step or two or four ahead of everybody else in college football. Now Virginia over that. Virginia Tech's interesting, but I, I, I like it. I, you have to choose Virginia over Virginia Tech, even though Virginia Tech's a more passionate fan base. Basketball, um, baseball, everything along the lines. Uh, D.C. It's closer to D.C., hmm. a D.C. market. Um, you know, I think Virginia's a bigger brand name. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, that FSU meeting is for sure underway. Um, they've done the roll call for the trustees. <laughs> and uh, the FSU president says, I've asked you here today because I believe FSU athletics is under challenge, requiring action on our part. And also the agenda has been posted, which includes new business informational update and action items regarding legal matters related to the Department of Intercollegiate Athletics. So it's a, it's under full swing right now. As we talk. <laughs> they got to break that grant of rights is what they got to do. They break the grant of rights. Right now, the grant of rights, if they have to stick to it, it's $500 million. <laughs> you, you can't write that check. No. You know, you can't write that check. It's not 50. By the way, y'all know that Texas didn't pay Jack to get out of the Big 12? Yeah. Wow. Why don't y'all think about that? Everybody say, oh, it's going to be 80 million. Zero. It's crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Move a game to Michigan to a home game with Fox, for Fox next year. <laughs> Same with Ohio State. Move it up. Yeah. Speaking of Michigan, CJ, I, I know we were talking a little bit ago and, and Harbaugh, man, Chargers, what's up there? Let everybody know our conversation. Well, apparently, according to Bet Online AG, he is now the betting favorite in Vegas to be the next head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. And we've talked about the ongoing allegations, obviously, the whole cheating, Spice, Spygate uh, scandal this season as well. How crazy would that be? I mean, they're in the college playoff. They're dominating Ohio State. Michigan opens up. Potentially, that would you know, create quite a domino effect across all the college football. You know who would be the betting favorite immediately to be the next Michigan head coach? Hit me. Not Sharon Moore. Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. That makes if a lot of sense. If they could him away from LSU, he would be the betting favorite. Yeah, um, because look, Michigan roots uh, coached it. I think was it Central Michigan? Is that what it, that the one uh, that he he led into that? Then went to Cincinnati, then Notre Dame. He's been a Midwest guy. 
Yeah. He's only spent a couple years in Baton Rouge. Just put that out there. Then that opens LSU. What does LSU do? I don't know. You know, there, there's a lot of dominoes. If he goes to the Chargers and they don't go with Sharon Moore at Michigan, which I don't think they will. Right. And they go with somebody like Brian Kelly. That opens up a whole nother, uh, whole nother can of worms. And you don't think that'll affect DeCorian Moore? You don't think that'll affect Dominic McKinley? Some of those guys? Terry Bussey? No. Guys for next year for sure. Brian Kelly can finally ditch that uh, fake Cajun accent as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, Bobby, uh, real quick. We have a lot of people asking this question. Roger G wants to know, what time do Aaron Butler and D'Alan Evans announce? I know there's nothing set in stone, but can you just go over that uh, for people? Love to tell you, but I don't know myself. And I don't think, like, I don't think D'Alan Evans went to bed last night knowing what time he was going to announce. Now, Aaron Butler may have a better better uh, sense of it. Uh, just to be clear, I'm not saying it's 100% that Aaron Butler's going to Texas. Some people are asking me about that. I think it's very much Texas versus Washington, uh, according to his, his father. Uh, and I don't know that either of them have a defined date or time right now. They could be waiting for edits from uh, graphic ed edits from guys like Hayes Fawcett of On3. They could be waiting for videos from their local. I mean, there's just a lot of different things that they could be waiting on that may not be as time sensitive as what we think of. I don't think either of them have a, uh, this is important. I don't think either of them have a, an announcement ceremony set. I think it'll drop on social media. All right, guys. So we're going to take a few more questions here before we get out of here. And let's take this one from Todd Lacey. Who do you see surprising during the spring? What player would you choose if you had to pick one? Wow. You know who, who got mentioned yesterday, CJ, in that player availability? Darian Gillette. There we go. Right. I love hearing that. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, it's it's one of those guys that that uh, you didn't necessarily expect to hear, but he was injured as a, a, a senior in high school, CJ, then came in and, and kind of sat a little bit and has been trying to get it up. But look, that's another guy uh, in, uh, in uh, whatnot that, that, that could happen. Uh, that could look for it. I want to see what uh, Jonte Cook does as a lead receiver. I want to see what um, DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett do. For me, I think that the replacement of the receivers next year with Quinn Ewers coming back, the replacement of those veteran receivers is going to be ultra important uh, going into the SEC because I do think the offensive line is going to be fine. CJ, you got a pick? Uh oh, I think okay. one guy I want to watch is uh, Jelani McDonald. Jelani McDonald's a guy I want to watch. You know, that's a, a secondary that has a lot of moving pieces. He has a tremendous skill set in terms of versatility and length. Where does he fit in that defense? I know we talked about linebacker also being, you know, one of those spots that I'm glad or that you that, that you said basically uh, Terry Go uh, Joseph and Blake Gideon are probably happy that Jeff Choate's out of the picture now because they can have their claim to him. Uh, in that in that room specifically, so I, I do want to see what happens with Jelani McDonald. He's an interesting prospect to me, and then obviously Leonga Lafau. 
All right, and then E. Kim with the question, guys. He says, is there a Christmas Day coffee and football show? The answer to that question is no. I know we did Thanksgiving, <laughs> but we're not doing Christmas, so we will be back on Tuesday morning. <laughs> so. I, I, Blake, tell people that your what your giveaway is today, too. I, we need to get that that mentioned so that everybody gets a chance to to put yeah. into that if they want to they want to put into it. That's right. We got the Colt McCoy, Jordan Shipley autographed mini helmet here. Sorry, I forgot to bring myself up, Bobby. Uh, that we'll be drawing for at the very end of the show. I got my 11-year-old who's a lot smarter at doing the Twitter things than I am. He's going to put it in there somehow and randomly pick a winner. But all you got to do is just, number one, you can double your chances by subscribing to this channel. Uh, but number two, you got to go retweet the tweet. You can see that on on Texas football Twitter or mine, either one. But yeah, we'll be drawing here in just a minute. So just a few minutes left to do that, Bobby. Uh, before we move on, though, I'm going to let you tell everybody about BKCW Insurance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When we talk about BKCW, we talk about the insurance trap. BKCW tries to take you out of that trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to help you and your business identify weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of those well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas escape the insurance trap and it all starts with a, re, a free risk assessment. That's right. It's completely free uh, for you and your business. Go to bkcw.com or send them an email, info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Hey, I want to say this. We have a special interview I'm hoping to post on Saturday, uh, by the way, with a special Longhorn. I uh, hope everybody gets a chance to tune into it. Going to be a little bit of a Christmas present, I hope, with every for everybody. There you go, Bobby, with the tease there, <laughs> getting you guys ready for the the pre Christmas weekend, I guess you could say. All right, guys, we're going to take a couple more questions before we get out of here, and uh, let's take this one from Roger G. Does Texas rotating a lot of players at most positions prevent players from wanting to portal out? I certainly think it helps. I Absolutely. mean, I, I think that getting people play, getting guys in the rotation, um, think about it. I mean, think, look, Manny Muhammad saw time as a true freshman. Anthony Hills, Derek Williams, um, getting getting guys on special teams matters. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned LaFowle. What about J Warren Roberson, Jelani McDonald? Uh, guys like that, they, they want to play. You know, that's what everybody wants to do. Uh, DeAndre Moore getting some return time. Jonte Cook, even though he didn't catch many, got some time, right? Um, I think Trey Wisner is another one. Get him on the field some which way, right? Those guys, that that's just a good piece of uh, – it's just good work, I think, um, from from the Texas staff. And I definitely think it makes them feel like, hey, we're going we're gonna to be doing that. So – We'll see how it goes, but I, I definitely think their their work on the in the rotation has been helpful. I think the fact that they've been successful as a team is helping retention for sure. I think another help with retention is the culture of the team. Yeah, these guys like each other; they're brothers, and 
when Malik Murphy cries, literally, because he's having to transfer because he knows he, he has to do it, not because he's wanting to do it. I mean, that tells you that that speaks to you. You know what I mean? And I think that the Texas fans should be proud of that for their team and for the for these kids. Uh, this next question, guys, uh, is going to be from Chris Bacon. And we've actually had this asked a few times today. But he said, are we still at 90% on Quinn Ewers returning, regardless of the outcome of the next two games? Bobby? Look, I was given 90%. I moved it up to 95. And then they made the college football playoffs. Okay. <laughs> Quinn Ewers goes out and throws for 400 the next two games. I That ain't 90% or 95% no more. Um, because his stock will skyrocket and you never know if it's ever going to be that high again. Um, And so while I still think if, if he has a normal two games or a normal game, I would still put it at 95%. If it, if he doesn't have normal games, that number comes down precipitously despite, despite what he's being told behind the scenes from people close to him. I mentioned this before uh, Quinn Ewers has been, they've been talking about, you need to have 25 starts or more, but that that's kind of that golden number. Uh, if you've had 25 starts or more, you're more prepared for the, for college or for pro football than if not, I mean, the, the, the number of successful QBs with 25 uh, starts or more compared to 25 starts or less is significant. It's like 60% success rate versus 25% success rate. That's, that's, what, right now. That, yeah, that's what the agents, that's what uh, the people behind the scenes are talking to him about, and it makes complete and utter sense. He needs another year of physical development, more lower body. He needs to get on the squat rack, yes. that kind of stuff. Then he'll start looking like that. He's got the golden arm. We agree, right? <laughs> that's There's no question about that. He's got to get the other accoutrements, right, plus the experience. For sure. All right. Todd Lacey bringing the heat today with some good questions. Here's another one. He said, can you go over the roster numbers, specifically how many high school recruits and portal transfers Texas can take in this class? We don't know. All right. So first of all, roster numbers, there's a limit of 85 scholarship players that every, every program has. That being said, we don't know exact numbers right now. They're at 22 signees. They could be at 24 by the end of today. Then you add Two portal guys in Makuba, Andrew Makuba out of uh, Clemson, as well as, um, oh, geez, Matthew Golden out of the University of Houston. Even another possible one with Trey Moore. So that would be three portals plus 22 or 24 high school guys. That's 26, 27 plus, right? However, we don't know how many are portaling out. We don't know how many are going pro. And until Texas figures that number out, they don't know the real number. I do believe they were right at the 85 heading into this year. I think they're going to try to, to touch that number again this offseason. There is no predefined number right now, though, for Texas. Uh, I think we're going to see four or five more guys portal after the, the new year from Texas who just don't see a path to the playing to, to playing next year, or they'll portal uh, in the spring at, in the month of April slash May, the next portal period. Uh, we're going to go two more questions, fellas. This first one from Peter. As of right now, what is your guys' projected wide receiver depth chart for next year? CJ? 
I think Jonte Cook's penciled in. I love what he brings to the table from an entire skill set. I think he's one of the most all-around wide receivers I've ever covered in recruiting. Uh, I'd like him to take that leap, as we've seen with Xavier Worthy, year to year. Uh, Matthew Golden is also a guy that will be in that conversation as well. And then things get interesting because there's not a whole lot of experience. There's not, not a whole lot of production in what Texas has currently. Do they go back out and get another portal guy? just to kind of have a body in the room with production experience that remains to be seen. Obviously Ryan Wingo is the prize of the class at the position as well. The five star six, two can run like the wind. I think he'll be rotationally in the mix. I don't think he'll be a starter off the jump. I think it's a little unfair to say he's going to be able to learn the nuances of Steve Sarkeesian offense uh, right away. So it's a big question mark. I do know Cook will be in the rotation. I hope DeAndre Moore makes that leap as well into being a, a, a reliable contributor. But right now, Golden and Cook are probably the two the two guys I can for sure point to and say, I know that they'll be catching a lot of passes next year. Okay, guys, this is going to be the last question for today. Then we better get out of here. Um, and goodness, my mouse just jumped and i lost the question oh from ajj sports he says who aren't the early enrollees i think it's a lot easier to say who isn't as opposed to who is bobby i'm gonna let you take that one and we Dude, actually I, i'm gonna bring this up i tell you what i'm gonna bring up hold on a second i've got a i got it right here bobby oh you got it go for it all right Freddie Dubose. take He's that one down all right what'd you say Freddie Dubose? Is not. Oh, who are not. Yeah, so these are the ones that are. Ty Anthony Smith is. This is an old graphic. We uh, that we we created this that graphic for on signing day. So Brandon Baker is Ryan. That, all right, offensive line. I think all three of them are early enrollees. Kibble, Baker, uh, Kibble Baker, and uh, uh, Daniel Cruz. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Kibble's not. I'll have to double check. Geez, you guys are asking me hard questions today. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not? It's, uh, oh, Santana Santana Wilson is not of the DBs, mm-hmm. right? I think right. all the other DBs are. Um, defensive lineman who is not. Melvin um, Hills. Melvin Hills is not. Both edges are early enrollees. Um, I think maybe Nate Kibble's not, but I got to double check that. I don't know if any of the receivers are not. Um, I, that's about it. Trey Owens is, I mean, it, look right now it's 17 of 22 that are early enrollees. So we're only looking at five. All right, guys. Well, Bobby, before we get out of here and before we draw the winner, I want you to tell everybody what they can expect on on Texas football later today. And of course, throughout the weekend. Yep. Yeah, so absolutely. we got the live stream at one o'clock today. Uh, that'll be probably talking a lot about recruiting if a couple of news breaks uh, happen here in the second uh, half of the day. Uh, and then also uh, we've got some more uh, interviews, et cetera, coming up uh, as well as some recruiting breakdowns. Uh, CJ and I really tried to break down where all these commits are coming from, what's going on with them and, and who recruited them. Uh, for example, I just, I'll just start it. One of the, one of the things we're going to talk about is just the utter domination Texas had in DFW this year. It, the numbers tell the whole story. Jeff Banks, the area recruiter, Steve Sarkeesian really got after it. They killed it in DFW this year. Uh, Florida, another spot. Houston. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that kind of stuff and more later today and into the weekend. 
Okay, well, Bobby, it is time for us to draw the winner of the Colt McCoy Jordan Shipley helmet. A little early Christmas present from On Texas Football to you faithful viewers out there. I got my son, Tate. Come here, Tate. He, he's doing the Twitter show. Go ahead and tell us who the winner is. Talk loud. Uh, Samuel Perry. Samuel Perry. Congratulations. So, Samuel... Uh, reach out to me on Twitter if you can, and I'll actually message you as well. And we will put that, we will get all that uh, in for you and get that sent off to you. And so once again, Merry Christmas <laughs> from Coffee and Football and On Texas Football. Merry Christmas to all you guys out there as well. We, we can't thank you all enough uh, for tuning in each and every single day with us. And by the way, thank you for the super chats. And we want to thank BKCW as well. So for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe. And oh yeah, no, no, no show on Monday. We'll be back on Tuesday. So we'll see you then. Hook up, guys. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.